Good morning, fellas. How's everybody? Vic, this thing just came apart. How's this work? Thank you guys for showing up this morning. It's good to see some young men here this morning because that's who I'm addressing. <laughs> I found out uh, when I got back from Branson that we still didn't have a speaker for men's breakfast. So um, yesterday morning I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is what he gave me. First of all, let's thank neither one of our cooks are here. Forget about them. All right, so Nathan and Gary uh, cooked for us, but they both left. They heard I was speaking. Woo, for the recording. <clears throat> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for this food, for these men, for these young men. Thank you, Lord, for the good work you're doing in their lives. And we pray that you would increase that good work and that this might be a little uh, pebble to add to uh, the weight of what they've learned and how they're growing. In Jesus' name, amen. So, just a couple of things I read this morning. A small child is someone who can wash his hands without getting the soap wet. Can you guys still do that? Jack, can you do that? Children are, li uh, children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. Here's my favorite. A child is a person who can't understand why someone would give away a perfectly good kitten. So, when I read a book, and I, I meant to bring that book in here, but I read a book several years ago by John Piper. I highly recommend you young people, if you're looking for something to read this summer, read Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. How many of you have read that book already? Several of you have, Josh. <clears throat> but John's father was an evangelist, and he tells a story in the beginning of the book. He said, my dad told lots of stories of his evangelism and, and people coming to Christ, and he said, but one that made an impression on me as a child was when Dad told me about this old man. He said there was this really, really old man who came to the church, and people in the community had been praying for him for years and years and years. But he had resisted the gospel. His heart was really hard. But one day when his father was preaching a message, this old man got up out of his seat at the end during the invitational hymn, and he walked down front, and he put his hand in the hand of the pastor. And afterwards, when everybody had left, they sat on the pew, and, and he received Christ as his Savior, but he was weeping. He said he was weeping uncontrollably. And he said, Dad, why was he weeping? He said, because he said, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. He's almost, almost ready to, 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 to die, and, and he's wasted his life. So <clears throat> that made an impression on me. And then I read that the Scottish preacher Horatio Bonar asked 250 three Christian friends. This was in the 19th century, so these statistics might not hold up today, but I bet they're still pretty close. He asked 253 Christian friends at what ages they were converted. Here's what he discovered. Under 20 years of age, 138 of 253. Do the math. What's that percentage? It's more than 50%, right? Between 20 and 30, 85 people. Between 30 and 40, 22. See what's happening here? Between 40 and 50, 4. Between 50 and 60, 3. Between 60 and 71, and over 70, zero. Get them while they're young. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. I'll show you something. 2 Chronicles is right after 1 Chronicles. It's right before Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 3. Just going to share a few thoughts after this, and then we will open up for discussion and close with prayer. 
Second Chronicles 34, 1 through 3 says, Josiah was eight years old when he, became, when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and metal images. Pretty amazing, right? Well, he, was, he was eight years old when he became king. Now, that doesn't happen anymore. I guess it could in some monarchies, but it's pretty rare. But he became king when he was 18. But when he was 16, eight years later, he began to seek God. What does that mean? Well, I think he, he decided to get serious about the faith of, of his fathers. Now, his father and his grandfather were wicked men. Ammon and Manasseh were wicked kings. So he didn't have a whole lot, whole lot, whole lot to go on there. But he sought the, he sought the father or the God of, of, this, of his fathers, his Israeli fathers of Israel. And then at 20, when he was 20 years old now, in our society, are you an adult? You know, I love it at Elon when they have graduation and the president says, all right, you guys, now most of you are 21. You finally reached adulthood. I'm thinking, no, that's the wrong message. You tell kids that you don't get to be a, you don't, you don't have to act like an adult until you're 21. That's why what happens on college campuses happens, right? Here he is at 20. He begins to lead the nation of Israel back to God to purge the nation from idolatrous practices. A 20-year-old, said, all right, here, here, here it is, guys. We're not only going to seek God, but we're going to get rid of all those, those evidences of people who don't seek God. We're going to tear down the high places. And he led, the, he, he basically reformed the nation at that time. So I think, you know, you've heard this before. We need to understand that biblically there are really just three age divisions, okay? The first age division, according to the scriptures, is from zero, from birth to 11 years old. What are you when you're 0 to 11? What are you called? A child. <laughs> you're a child, okay. It's not a hard question. All right, and then the next age group is from 12 to 30. From 12 to 30, what are you considered in Scripture? Young man or young woman, young adult, right? So young adulthood was between 12 and 30. From 30 to death... You know, Josiah only lived 40 years. He, he was king for 31 years. He died at 40. He was killed at 40. And, uh, but, but from 30 to death, you are a mature. Hopefully, you are a mature adult. We, we wish that happened, right? We wish that age equaled maturity. Because the older you got, the more mature, the wiser, the more godly. doesn't often happen that way. So young people oftentimes lead the older people. What's the only event we know about from Jesus' life from the time he was born and, of course, brought to the temple and, and, and circumcised and dedicated to the Lord until he was 30 and he began his earthly ministry? What's the only event we know of? Went to Jerusalem with his family. How old was he? We're told in Luke chapter 2. He was 12. Right? So as a young adult, Jesus travels with his parents to Jerusalem, and there in the temple, he's found, when they finally come back and, and find him, he's there taught, teaching the elders. Right? He's already a young man who knows the scriptures better than the leaders of the nation. You say, well, he was Jesus. Yeah, but he was still a human. He was in a human body. He had learned the scriptures as a young man, even at the age of 12. And of course, we know that when he turned 30, he started his ministry as a mature adult. So that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, 
I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, there is no adolescent period. There is no teenage years. There is no, all right, I'm going to, from childhood until, you know, once I start earning some money, walking around money, wham, money. So when I start getting my wham, then I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to play, and I'm just going to enjoy life and not think about growing up. I thank God for the young men in this room and in this church, right? Because we don't see that phenomenon so much here. Uh, But I know that we are not, this is not representative of teenagers and young adults, even in the church at large. Certainly not in the world, as we see at at Elon every every class we teach. But even in in the church at large, typical teenager is is just doing his thing, playing and, and pursuing his own pleasures. Um, I remember uh, hearing uh, Vody Bauckham say, we were talking about, you know, there's, there's an army, he was talking about an army of young people, there's an army of young people available in the church today. This was years ago at a conference. I remember him saying to the church in America, we, our church, we have taken an army that God has given to the body and said, lay down your arms and go play. Well, here's the truth from Scripture. Number one, God often calls and uses young people to lead and serve in powerful ways. God calls and uses young people. You don't have to wait till you're our age, look around the room, and say, okay, that's when I'll really start being used by God. No, you're in a position right now to be used powerfully by God. You guys know this. But think of the people uh, in the scriptures. Josiah, we've talked about David. David was a young man when he was tapped by God through Samuel become a king. He was a young man. He was the least of his, of his brothers. He's probably the shortest run in the family, but he was a young man. And he became, of course, the man after God's own heart. D- uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were young people, right? The king has said, bring the finest of these young Jews over here and we'll teach them our ways and we'll, we'll, we'll you know, indoctrinate them. But these guys were not indoctrinated. They became leaders in the Persian world. And, of course, we've been studying Genesis for the last year and a half, and who's the best example of a young man greatly used by God in Genesis? Joseph, right? 17 years old when he was uh, enslaved, and then by the time he was 30, a mature young man now, a mature man, he becomes the second most powerful man in the world at that time. So, and then, you know, I thought, well, I'm, how about, what about women? How old was Mary when she gave birth to Jesus, according to some historical beliefs? She was probably 15, 16 years old. She was, a young, she was a young girl, right? But she was a young woman. She was not a child. She was a young woman. And God chose Mary and gave her an incredible opportunity and privilege to, to be the mother of the Christ child, right? So, number three, God often calls, uses young people. Number two, um, uh, this is number two. Youth is not to be wasted or look, be looked down upon as insignificant. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your youth. Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a young man. Let no one, this is 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So Paul writes to this young man that he led to the Lord. He became a, a, a spiritual child of of uh, Paul, and he writes to this young man. He said, "Hey, don't let anybody look down on you." Now he's not saying, you know, to to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
bully and, and pick fights with people who are calling you a young person or looking down on you. He's saying, don't let them look down on you by the way you live. If you live as a man of faith, they will not look down on you because you will be an example. Listen to the ways you were to be an example in speech, what you say. Be an example, young people, in what you say. In conduct, how you act. Be an example to the older people and your young compatriots uh, in how you conduct your life. In love, right? Young people can love and love people well. Uh, and we've seen that with the Bainbridges and the way that they loved Ray in, in so many incredible ways over the, over the years of his illness. In, in faith, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. That's a good verse to, to, to think about, memorize, um, you know, and live, live by. 1 Timothy 4.12. Number three, young people can live for God. There are no age requirements in 2 Timothy 2.1 and 2. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.1 and 2. No age requirements here. You then, my child, he's talking to Timothy. Timothy's not a child, but he's a spiritual child of Paul's. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2 is a critical verse in the scriptures for all believers, not just young people, but all believers, because it is a verse about what? Discipleship. One of the things that Antioch is doing right now as elders, we're talking about, okay, who, what is our mission as a church? We've always had a mission. What is our vision as a church? We've always had a vision. But as we're entering into kind of a new season at Antioch, as you see, we're doing some expansion to, to help with, with fellowship, and we see the church starting to grow a little bit with new families coming in. We want to make sure that in the next generation, when I'm dead and gone, these young guys are running the, sh running the show. Not that I'm running it. We run it together, lead it together. We want to make sure that we are hearing from God about, okay, what kind of church do we have? And so it's the young men that are going to be the leaders uh, and are, are already helping to lead in the next generation. But discipleship means what we have heard from faithful men, what you've been taught by your fathers, what you've been taught by spiritual leaders in your life, what you have heard from faithful men, you don't just hold on to it and think, wow, look how much I know, look how smart I am, look how wise I am in the scriptures, right? That's the Dead Sea, water goes in, no water, no, no water comes out, right? Don't be the Dead Sea, be a, a river of living water so that what is in you as young men comes out of you wherever you are. David's going to go to law school in the fall. So he's going to have an opportunity with a lot of pagans in law school. Hello. No matter what, what field, but you got an opportunity with a lot of law students and professors who don't know the Lord to be a river of living water in, in that school, right? Number four, young people can influence the old. Young people can influence the old. The people of God followed Josiah's example. He said, we're going to reform the nation. They said, let's do it. Timothy was trusted by Paul to lead the church in Ephesus. This young man was sent by Paul to Ephesus for a time to lead the church. He was also sent to Philippi. Paul said of, of, of Timothy in Philippians 2.20, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. I love that testimony. Here's a man of God under... Considered, considered by many the man of God, uh, Paul, the apostle. And here's a man under him. Paul says, I don't have anybody like him. He's a young man who is rare in this day because 
he is concerned more for your welfare than for his own. And that's how we want to live, right? Close with a couple more comments. Just be careful of one thing, young men. Though you are biblical adults at 12, everybody in here is a, is a biblical adult. You're still young adults. That's why the Bible admonishes in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What happens a lot of times with young men, and all of us fathers in here know this who've raised teenagers <laughs> to adulthood, what happens is by, by the time they're 17 or 18 or 19 years old, they think that nobody can teach them anything. You know, they got it all figured out, and dad's really kind of slow and really kind of dumb. And then when they come back from college, they say, man, I can't believe how much you've wised up in the last four or five years when I was away, dad. You're a lot smarter than I thought you were. That's a, that's a pride that, that can very easily enter into young men. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen, right? Humble yourselves. Clothe yourselves. Paul, I love this p- picture of Peter saying, put on your humble clothes every day, right? When you're getting clothed in the morning, putting your clothes on. Don't go out naked. Put clothes on, but also clothe yourselves with humility, right? Put on humility and say, you know what? I'm not the center of attention today. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going I'm to see how I can love people and serve people. Because God approaches the proud but gives grace to the humble. And make no mistake, young people have a powerful influence on others and on the culture itself. I was thinking about in the 60s, it was really a a youth movement, sex, drugs, and rock and roll that led the the country in, in the wrong direction. It was young people for the most part who led the country into sinful ways, right? And then in the 70s, it was a Jesus movement. Uh, and it was the young people who led the Jesus movement. I was a teenager in the 70s, 1972 is when, you've heard this story before, it's when I really got saved. I walked down the aisle when I was eight, but I wasn't saved. And when I was 15, I went up to a conference in, in Ridgecrest, Black Mountain. I heard a speaker named Grady Nuts talking about his book he'd written called, You're Not, You're Not, You Know, God Doesn't Make No Junk. Um, and, and so he was talking about how God has, has called everyone, every one of you young people out there, God is calling you to follow him. He's calling you to follow Jesus and be a man of God. And God got a hold of my life that week in the summer of 72. And I came back to the church, and we didn't have a youth group really. We had about five or six kids in the youth group. But the ones who had gone up to the mountaintop and come back as new people in Christ said, we need to tell people about this. So we started on on. Monday morning, every Monday morning, we would just pick out a couple of people in high school that we were in school with. I was public school back in those days, right? And so we'd pick out people in our high school that we knew didn't go to church, didn't know Jesus. And, but they were friends of ours. And, and I remember going up to, you know, this guy named, um, uh, um, oh, shoot, Ron's son, Charles. I said, Charles, hey, you wanna, can, can some of us come to your house tonight? He said, why? Why would you want to come to my house? He said, because we want to tell you some stuff that happened this summer. Right? So I just learned how to play the guitar. I knew about three chords. And another guy who really knew how to play the guitar. And we'd bang out, you know, uh, You've Got a Friend by James Taylor. Or a couple of Christian songs like uh, um, uh, Sweet, Sweet Song of Salvation. Anybody old enough to remember that chorus back in the day? Yeah, it's a long, it, Larry Norman back in the 70s, right? And then we would tell him, one of us would share a testimony. Hey, listen, this is what happened to us at Ridgecrest. Would you like to come back to us to the church because the youth pastor is going to do a Bible study in about 30 minutes. You want to go back with us to church? And most of the time they said, 
Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't have anything else to do. Right? Beverly Hillbillies is already off. So they would go back to the church, and, and you know what? In, in one year, the group of five young people had grown to 60. There were 60 young people in that youth group who were, who were born again. One of the guys that just died um, not long ago, his, I mean, his father just died. One of the guys that we led to the Lord went back and told his parents about what had happened in his life. His parents started to come to the church, and then he became a Christian. He just died a few months ago. And when I saw him last year, when I went to visit mom once in Winston-Salem before she moved here, two years ago, I guess it was, he told me that story. He said, you remember... It was you and that group that led my son to the Lord, and it was, the, it was my son that led me to the Lord. And he started crying. And he's with him now. So that's, um, that's my challenge, my encouragement to you young people. Don't wait. I know you're not. I know for the most part you're not. You're already you know, moving, moving on down the road with your Christian walk. But there are people all around you who don't know Jesus that you know and you can have an influence on. There are adults that you know in your own family. Uh, not your parents, but maybe aunts and uncles. Uh, cousins, nephews, well, maybe not nephews. Cousins that you can have an influence on. Um, use it. Amen. Let me stop there and open it up. We've got lots of time. So if anybody have a comment or a question, something you'd like to add, yeah, we can stop the feed now. Vic.